When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome into Mackie and Judd. No Mackie today back on Monday. So it's uh, Judd and executive producer of the Ooh. Mackie and Judd show, Declan Goff from the TCL broadcast studios where um of course we originate each and every day at least declan and i do yeah okay so so what mackie gets his own he's gonna have his own studio in p max studios in in, seattle in what seattle but he's still gonna be doing the show just so people yes yes, just so people don't get confused like for a week now quickly to explain phil and his wife are moving to seattle but phil is still going to do the show um, he's going to be, I believe, settled there by Monday. So as far as the listening and or viewing experience uh-huh. goes, and if you do watch us on YouTube and all those other friendly places, we appreciate it. Nothing will change for you. So as far as uh, um, when, when we do refer to Phil being in Seattle, he's still doing the show. So um, that's good. Speaking of Seattle, that's the promotion. Yep. A candidate for an um, <clears throat> NBA team, I believe, still, right? And possibly an expansion team, possibly an existing team to, to move. Uh, that was certainly that and Vegas were mentioned in an Instagram post from Kevin Garnett yesterday, which, of course, as usual, did not fail to take shots at Wolves owner Glenn Taylor. Yeah. So KG got on Instagram and put out a. a I guess for Instagram purposes, fairly lengthy message about the fact that he has been, he made it sound like he has been told that his group is out on the bidding for the Wolves, okay? Yep. Now, here's what's interesting about that. So, um, our, our guy, Doogie. Doogie. Uh, from The Scoop. Uh, Chris Hine from The Star Tribune. Johnny Krasinski, I'm sure, from The Athletic. Jace Frederick from The Pioneer Press. Blah, blah, blah. Go down the whole list of all the people that cover Minnesota Timberwolves all called Glenn Taylor to get a comment because this is this is news because Garnett has been told he's out, and this is news because it's news about the potential sale that we have we heard a ton about in July when Garnett found out or when we found out that Garnett was among the groups or had a group that was going to try to bid on the Wolves, and most importantly that they were being sold. Glenn Taylor, who would not comment or did not return messages when he was involved in firing Ryan Saunders, one of the first families of basketball, right? The Saunderses. A couple weeks ago, they fire Ryan, who grew up around Glenn, who you would think that Glenn would have, you know, called people back and said, yeah, it's a really tough day. 
Uh, talk to Gerson about the basketball part, but right. I will. But I will share with you that this is tough. Uh, I did not enjoy doing this. It stinks. But he did not return those calls. But he couldn't wait to pick up the speed dial and return calls about Kevin Garnett and Garnett saying that his group was out because what Glenn said was Kevin and Kevin's group never contacted us. All right. I'm at the point now, and Dex, I'm, I'm not sure where you stand on this. Okay. The feud itself is embarrassing. I'm tired of the feud. Like, these two now just go back and forth. Like, nothing between Glenn and Kevin can be civil. No. Like, like, it's all, like, from Kevin's standpoint, it's F-bombs. From Glenn, it's, he didn't call me. I've got nothing to do. This isn't my fault. You know, Glenn, you you did Kevin wrong twice. Kevin holds a grudge forever. I'm just tired of the entire feud because it's just another layer on the embarrassment that is the wolves, okay? Yeah. So it's just a shame, but the fran- but this franchise has consistently for how many years now caused us embarrassment. But here's where I think that there is news and it could be good news if Glenn Taylor follows through on the reports that we saw yesterday and that of course is always a big if. He said in trying to say that the Garnett group did not contact him, that more than 10 groups have made inquiries and that the sales process for the Timberwolves has picked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dookie told us on the scoop a few weeks ago or a month ago or so that he thought it had actually slowed down because Glenn has stopped and started on the sale a thousand times before. Yeah, I, I, he's done this for years. Yeah, and I believe it was back in 2015 when Glenn, um, when a lot of people thought that Glenn was going to sell, including Dukes, and then he didn't sell, and then he not only didn't sell, he just sort of ended the entire process. Okay. Right. But the news from yesterday, if there are 10 groups in the sales process is picking up, hallelujah, praise be to God. It is about time, and it is time, okay? Yeah. I was doing some digging oh, today. On your own little scoops. On the Glenn Taylor. Well, no, no, just research. Just research. But I was doing some digging on the Glenn Taylor Wolves and, and where things stand right now, okay? The man, first of all, and by the way, to preface this, is a good businessman, okay? Like the Star Tribune, he's had a ton of success. He is a he is not a a billionaire, probably, or c- certainly a high millionaire because he's a bad businessman. But he is seventy nine, okay? He purchased the franchise in nineteen ninety four, and there is a chance that he, by doing so, preempted the potential move of this team. If you go back to then. Um, the first group that owned the team, Marvin Harve, who were desperate to unload the team, in part because they owned the building, had an agreement to sell it to a group that was going to relocate the Wolves to New Orleans, all right? Yep, yep. Great so story. that was blocked by the league, which is fantastic. Um, Glenn eventually steps in. Glenn gets the team. So Glenn did a – Glenn did – the cities did us a solid by doing so. But Declan, you tweeted out this note this week that was circulating around. And I mean, this is where you get into the utter incompetence and embarrassment. And I'm not talking a bad team that's gone through some bad stretches. I'm talking largely entire existence, just a complete embarrassment and train wreck. What you tweeted out was the Wolves winning percentage right now sits at 39307, okay? 
That surpasses the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 393-20 for the worst winning percentage in North American sports, I believe, in major North American sports. Correct. Ever. Correct. Ever. This is so we now <laughs> hold so we now hold in this town two North American sports records that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. Uh, this one, <laughs> this no. one, okay. That you wouldn't wish on most people. Most people. Is that fair? Yes. Most people? Yeah. This one and the Twins, of course, have lost a North American major sports record 18 consecutive playoff games. On the Wolves, in the last 17 years, one playoff appearance and two winning seasons. You have been above 500 in 17 years. So you were seven, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So since you were seven years old yep. or thereabouts... One playoff appearance. Uh, no, I was more like 12. But okay. Yeah. I was like 12, 13. One playoff appearance and two winning seasons. Yeah. That's what it'll be after this year. Mm-hmm. And let's see here. Let me pick up the NBA standing so, I, yeah. so I know I've got this right. Yep. And right now, your Timberwolves are the worst team in the NBA Go. at the All-Star break, which, by the way, All-Star break, what morons. Oh, yeah, why, why are you playing All-Star Idiots. game? A 7-29, a one ninety four winning percentage. Um, so those are the facts right now. You have had in those 17 seasons, 11 coaches. Your cumulative record in in this stretch, so including the start with so far at the break, seven wins this season, Declan. Yep. 469 wins, 845 losses. 469, 845. The winning percentage there... <laughs> is actually below the winning percentage that the franchise has all time. It's 357. All right. Put it all together. The futility is off the charts and has been. Yeah. It's time, Glenn. Um, And here's the thing, too. I want this team to stay. I have no interest. I have seen teams leave. It sucks. Like, there's no – you can joke all you want about good riddance. Um, Have fun in Seattle or Vegas. Or, or Kansas City. I don't know. Um, but it's, you never want to lose a professional team. It just, it's, it's bad. Yeah. The swarm don't count either, by the way. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I'm saying a, I'm saying real professional I teams that matter. Yes. Um, Glenn Taylor, though, I would rather have him roll the dice. And I know that his edict is that he wants to sell the team to, a person that basically guarantees or signs papers and documents yeah. that he or she will keep the club here. Yeah, that's a little weird. Well, I get it, but that's 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 too much, man. I would rather roll the dice I, nah, I on, on, on if that person, like, look, if that person tells Glenn, if that person uh, steps to a microphone next week and says, okay, here's what I'm thinking. There is a 80% chance I keep the team here. Like, for the most part, I want to. I, I I will. I think I will, right? Yeah. But there's a 20% chance that if things don't go right, that, it, yeah, I'm gone. Or you can keep it with Glenn. I'm at the point now, and I don't know where you are or where listeners are. I'm at the point now where I would look at the person who said 80%, and I would say, let's take the gamble. Uh, let's I, take the chance. Where, where I stand... Um... Going back to the whole KG dilemma of him wanting to buy this buy the Wolves, it's twofold. Number one, I think it's a great idea for him to buy the Wolves. I know he's out right now, but just the idea of Kevin Garnett owning the Wolves sounds like a phenomenal idea. And 
And from even when he, from him and his investors, it's not like Kevin would be the sole proprietary owner of the franchise. It doesn't sound like he would be. He he would have a pretty big say, I think, in the franchise. Oh, he'd have a major say in the major basketball say. operation. But I don't think he would necessarily yeah, he'd, be he'd be involved. The owner yeah. and or the primary man who's making the basketball decisions. He might have an influence, but I don't think he would have that job title. He just wants the Timberwolves as part of him. It's his baby. He built up this franchise, and it's been literally torn down ever since. On the flip side of that, to play devil's advocate against myself as I'm tangled up in my headphones here, if you look at other prominent athletes who have owned teams, and especially I'm going I'm to name two that are even above Kevin Garnett and Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan, they're abysmal owners. They're horrible owners. Those two dudes don't know what they're doing when it comes to running a franchise, which is my point of I don't think Kevin Garnett would put himself in the position to be the sole owner of the team because guys like MJ and Wayne Gretzky, the two of the greatest guys to ever do their sport, are bad owners. Right, but that's partially because they get involved in decisions that they shouldn't be as far as the operation of yep. the sport goes. That's bad. Um, so I, I yeah. have trepidations about that, about an athlete, but just, I don't, be, just because they, they mean a lot. And because and I, know, and I know both Wayne and Michael aren't owning the teams they used to play for, so there is a difference there for sure. But there, there is something to be said of it sounds cool to have a prominent athlete be the owner, but it has ne- not necessarily always worked out is what I'm, what I'm trying to get to in, in the long run there. And I, but my thing now is I don't even care about that. I don't care about KG. I don't yep. care about – I just want this yep. team to be sold. And what I'm telling you is I'm willing to take a 20% or, or so risk that they would leave town, that they would relocate. Yeah. Because the 80% then is that you change – as much as, as he hates this term – Patrick Royce does. This applies perfectly in this discussion, okay? If there was ever a time to talk about culture, this is it. And it's not culture in the locker room. It's not culture just on the team. It is the culture of the entire franchise. And by the way, the Wolves have some very good employees, okay? So this is not saying that the entire thing is goofed up from a business side. But if you look at the continue, the one link here from the very top, from the head, the one link and it is years of ineptitude. It It is, there, there is no debate about sample size. There is no debate about, oh, you have some good years and some bad years, and you might get this right. There is there is nothing left to be discussed here. It is continually a laughingstock and a mess. And, and I think we've had so many people in this town, as far as the fan base goes, check out and not care, that we don't realize it now like we don't even discuss it much because it's just like oh it's the wolves oh you know they're but they are they are the old school cleveland browns for the last x amount of years before the last or before this year they are they are the detroit lions like think about how we laugh at the lions okay they are the lions right we just have sort of thrown up our hands and said it's the wolves and so we don't pay attention and we don't care as much and some people still care passionately but that's the thing is that's why I'm willing to take the risk that this team ends up in Poughkeepsie because it's better than this and here's my problem there is no sign that under the current ownership this is going to end there is zero sign yeah I think where where I fall too, and, to, and not to keep it, bring it back to KG because I I do think now he's out and it's it's done. Kevin Garnett is not going to be owning this franchise. Um, but I'm with you that look, I, I'm not a humongous basketball fan. I was I grew up a big basketball fan. I loved Kevin Garnett era, and right around the time he started to get out of here and towards his exit, I just kind of stopped watching the Wolves as much as I do. I still turned them on. 
I know their roster. I've called Jaden McDaniels the next superstar. I know my basketball judge is what I'm trying to say. Oh, no question about it. Uh, but at the same time, all, in all realistic uh, expectations, you need to sell this team. Uh, it's time. And if, if that means there is even a higher chance than your 20% that they move, then they move. Um, I don't necessarily want to see them go. I say it right now as in if they left, if they were bought tomorrow and they were sold to Seattle by Sunday, like, yeah, I'd be disappointed and it'd be, and it'd be something that fun to talk about. I don't think it would crush me, but at the same time, once they were gone, it, it would, reality would probably start to set in. Like, holy crap, we lost an NBA team. That does suck. And we've lost National Hockey League and, team and, as well. And exactly. And, and, there's so, and I think that's what I really can't stand. And even if you're not a big basketball fan, um, this whole idea of like, oh, well, just, just move. I don't care. I don't care about the Wolves. Just move. Like, okay. The same people that say that are diehard hockey fans. And most of them who are my age, who are 28, I, I was four months old when the North Stars left. You didn't see and know what it was like. Imagine the wild leaving. Imagine the oh, Minnesota yeah. wild leaving it's and the uproar not, it would cause, right? It's not fun. It would not be fun. And even if so, if, so let's again, devil's advocate against myself. Let's say you're an insane basketball fan. You can give a rat's ass about hockey, right? Mm-hmm. If you saw the Wild leave as a basketball fan, you would also be disappointed. You would be sad. You, that would stink. That would be awful to see. But Glenn has to sell the team. Glenn has to sell this team. I don't know if it's a someone local. You know, he stepped in at the 11th hour when they were. And I'm serious. I want a mini 30 for 30 on this almost move to New Orleans. I, it's one of my favorite Bob Wikipedia. Arum, re- a boxing promoter yeah. who the who the National Basketball Association and uh, Commissioner David Stern at that time had no interest in having anything to do with their, their league, had an agreement to buy the team, yeah. and they were going to move the team. And I remember it vividly. Um, the league just basically stepped in and said, you're not, you're not selling to them. But the whole story is great because Marv and Harv, uh, they were the original expansion owners of the Wolves. They built... The arena. Target said, yeah. They what? own the arena. Yeah. So, like, they this was not a state-subsidized venture. Right, yeah. There, there <laughs> was a, I, I believe, was it Northwest Athletic Club that they owned at the time? It's Lifetime now. Yeah. I think they owned the chain of athletic clubs. They built one, which is still there, I think, in the bottom of the arena. And that whole thing went sideways, and they were desperate. They were desperate to sell. And Glenn did a great, I mean, Glenn stepped in, and Glenn saved it. Um, but this is now what 1994, and there was a decent run there. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't great. Uh, it was decent though. But when you have now 17 years of just the continuing problems and the coaching changes yeah. and the player, and look, I have no idea at this point in time how how to parse out the brawl between KG and Glenn. Like they're both at fault, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it should have been solved. It's now basically gone sideways twice, which is super embarrassing. Yep. But all of that being said, how many franchises currently do you can you name that has a major rift between the people that own the team and the biggest superstar in franchise history to the point of you can't even get that person back here to retire his number mm-hmm. like that? But that's just a if if we're gonna parse out the problems here, like that just goes in one box. Like, if that was the only problem and the Wolves were successful, I'd be like, well, it is sort of weird and it feels hanky, but okay. But that's just, like, that's just one problem. And then your other problems are, and it's things like this, too. The Ryan Saunders thing could not have been handled worse. Yep. The entire thing. Now, he 
was given the job at a time when he probably should have been retained as an assistant coach, all right? But look how the entire thing, starting from the day he got the job, the decision to hire a president of basketball operations, and then I don't care what you tell me, force the head coach down that guy's throat, and then to fire him like they did. Again, it's the culture. Yep. It's terrible. Yes. It's And I don't know if Gerson talked a good game and doesn't know what he's doing. I don't know. But the entire franchise just is a continued laughing stock. And that's got and that has to end with one thing the sale of the team. And then if the new person cleans house, they do. Yep. But at least it gives the fan base. As I said with on Mackie and Judd Thursday. This town has a lot of good basketball fans. It does. When basketball's a good, lot of, it's, it's and look, really, really good. We are hockey guys. Yeah. But we but if the basketball team's good, it's awesome. It is. I still think it's that if Gopher basketball's good, it's the best building mm-hmm. in this town, okay? So if they're good, we're happy. Now imagine being, you know, doubling down and being a huge basketball fan. And you've got this. And the sad thing too is the state of basketball here, as far as high school prospects go and the quality of play, has never been better. Yep. And these poor people have an NBA team that essentially, for lack of a better term, as far as product goes, year after year gives them a middle finger mm-hmm. and go for basketball is awful now. They deserve better. Yes, they and, do. And, and I can tell you this. Wolves-wise, you are not going to improve this thing until this team is owned by somebody different. Yep. And if that's taking a small chance that you are going to have that team move, I would prefer that to this. Finally, too, and I think if you pull the majority of Wolves fans, if you said if if, you, if there's a 30% chance, even 40, you know what? No, I'm going to go up. I'm going to go 50. If it's a 50-50 chance that the Wolves would be, if tomorrow the Wolves are sold. Glenn Taylor sells the Wolves, but it's a 50-50 chance they move or not. I think fans would take the risk instead of saying, no, keep it under <laughs> Glenn Taylor. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think they would. I think, honestly, th- you would. Okay, topic two. Zach Parisi returns to the wild lineup tonight. Well, hopefully, um, right? It, is, is it's it, been confirmed. It's been confirmed. Okay. It's been, it's been uh, confirmed. Far people than us? Um, the head coach and the GM. In Got fact, uh, Bill Guerin, well, oh, friend of the show, the wild GM was on The Scoop with Doogie, which you can find right now. Where exactly? Uh, Score North, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, here's what Bill had to say about the somewhat surprising to a lot of people decision to scratch Zach Parise after he took an extended shift on Monday. They scratched him for Wednesday's game. You know, Zach's a competitive guy and uh, there's no doubt that he was uh, upset and hey, rightfully so. I understand it. And it was, uh, you know, a tough decision. I think Zach handled it well. I think Dino handled it well. And you know what? We're moving past it now. Um, Zach's the pro. And uh, he's a competitive guy. He's a proud guy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we would expect him to be that way. You'll be held accountable, but you'll also be helped. You, nobody's nobody's going to get dumped on or kicked to the curb or anything like that. It's just, uh, you know, we, we, we have to do certain things uh, for, for overall team success. And, you know, they, they, these guys all understand that. You know what? We're, we're winning more than we're losing, and, and it's fun. And we're doing it because – because of certain things that our us as a group have, have done and bought into. And uh, we're going to continue to do that and, and uh, continue on winning ways. I absolutely love it. I love the entire thing, Dex. And, and the thing that I love the most is it, it was very clear after the Wild lost to the Canucks in the bubble last year, 
in Bill Guerin's um, conference calls, Zoom calls with the media, that he had a lot of things to say about the current state of that franchise and that team and the fact that he had now seen them for a season, basically. And he said what we've all thought, which is accountability is low. Um, You've got some players here, but they don't really win. And why? But none of that. So all of that was lip service until you had a stunt like Parisi pulled on Monday, right? And then the question is, okay, you've talked a big game about what you don't like. What are you going to do about it? And and I don't care who had the pen in their hands when they uh, took it and put it through Parisi's number for Wednesday's game. What I care about is Bill and Dean made a statement that was that spoke volumes because you can tell me all you want that you're frustrated by the team and the players, but until you actually take a stand and do something that's drastic, I don't buy it. That helped me buy it. Yeah, it was impressive for him to do that. Um, it took a lot of cojones for them to do that, and I respect it. Garen said in the summer, I believe, with Michael Russo, a friend of the show, that there's something rooted here in the culture, and it needs to be addressed. That was the first real tipping point you know, back, I, I think that was either right before the return to play or, or shortly after the Wild got bounced by Vancouver. It was after. And that was the first, oh, and, and something that you and I, to humble brag, had been saying for a long time, but it was the first time everyone else kind of realized, oh, really? I never noticed that. I didn't notice that was a thing. It's like, well, it, it has been a thing. You've been sleeping under a rock if you haven't noticed it. And... Parisi, who was almost traded just a year ago this time at the trade deadline to New York, something went wrong at the last minute. Lamarillo is a, is a nutcase. I'm, not, I'm just going to go on the record and say that. He, that is, a, something, he is as old school as old school gets, so, boy. Something wacky happened. So true. And, um, and I, 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 it, he almost was traded, and I think it, that's going to pick back up here. It's, it's going to get difficult to trade him because those caps. Can you trade that contract? You can, but there's just going to be and by the way, cap casualties. That we are, come, come out of it. we are right now, and I don't know if it's because of the shortened seasons or what. We are in the season of the benching and scratches. Yeah, Line, uh, Dubois, which is torch, so it's not shocking there. Bennett, Bennett again. Did Eichel get scratched? Your your guy with the Rangers got benched Mika, last I, night. Zibanejad. Well, and they say it's COVID or they. They don't say that. People think that his bout with COVID oh, has caused me. him to not play well. Sure. But basically, I think in the second period last night against the Devils, a game I think that the Rangers won 6-1, to one, they benched him. Yep. They benched him for an extended period. Parisi got scratched. You know what, though? I like it. I like taking control. Uh, so what? what's your expectation? So Zach's played 19 of the 20 games now since he got scratched on Wednesday. He's got three goals, six assists. Um, he is on the third line. He has n- not had a good year, period. Do you think that this provides a spark? Because I here's my thought. I don't know that there's a ton more to get here. Like, I think he will go through a hot streak. So I think at some point in time, sure. he'll go through a, a Parisi-like stretch and get some goals yeah. and some points. But I don't... But I. I don't think this was done. I think this was done as a punishment for his decision. I don't think this was done in totality to provide a spark because I don't know that there's a big spark to provide. I might be wrong, 
But he, he to me, looks very much like a third-line guy now. He does. So, like, I don't think he's going to... I don't think he's going to come back and take off. Yeah, it's um, it's tough. It's tough because I, I think that he'll he'll come back ready to go and, and there'll be a fire underneath his belly and whatever, and, and that happens in hockey. It's a short-term little, basically little bump of, of success, and I'm sure something will go right there. But I'm more curious of how the team responds. You played Vegas well on Monday. You did not play very great on Wednesday, and I'm curious to see what happens here against Arizona. I mean, you're, you're still in the thick of this. You're, the, the Wild aren't oh, going away. You can away. beat the Coyotes. You can beat the like, like, you're back to a Coyotes team that a, you can 100% beat. Coyotes aren't a good team. Um, so I expect the Wild to be back, and, and the Wild will be better for this. I'm sure Zach is ticked off. Garen said he's ticked off. But is it going to help, so. do you think? Yeah, I think it is. I don't think it's going to hurt the team. No, 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 no. I'm saying him. Is it going to help Zach? It's a great move for the team. I just don't know yeah. that there's a lot more to get. I do think he's got a, a stretch where he gets some points and goals. Yep. Um, but I don't think that this is the. I don't think that this is going to transform his season. No, not necessarily. I just don't think he's got that. His, his shot quantity is about the same as it was last year. His, his shooting percentage is lower, so you would say, okay, there there is some unluckiness that's happening there. Um, so so he he should, you know, be able to get up from where he was earlier this season. I'm curious to see what happens. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. All right, let's get to it. Rom-com rewind. How about that, Dex? Fever pitch, Fever baby. pitch. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy yeah, Fallon. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. <laughs> your, your Fallon's yeah, actually Jimmy. not yeah, bad yeah, yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Fallon, Drew Bar- Barrymore, the Boston Red Sox, and the curse comes to an end, and we review Rom-com rewind. Fever pitch. I taught the boy what I knew about the game, and Carl taught him what he knew. Hey, Jimmy, you idiot! What are you about this bum lead off for? Well... Dwight Evans parked a couple homers, the Sox won, and by day's end, poor Ben had become one of God's most pathetic creatures, a Red Sox fan. And that's where the story begins. Careful, kid. They'll break your heart. You two gotta be there to keep this thing going. And they went, and lo and behold... Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. And that night, there was a blue moon and a total eclipse. And those are the facts. Oh, one more thing. You know that little player to be named later? Ben says if it's a boy, they'll name him Ted Williams Wright. If it's a girl, Carla Yastrzemski Wrightman. Let's all pray for a boy. That's right. We're diving into one of the great sports Rom-coms of all time. It's actually the third sports rom-com we've done, if you count those Knicks clips. No, no. First two. No, those don't count. (laughs) This is Rom-Com Rewind, which we're going to get into in just a moment here. I'm Mackie and Judd. After we thank some of the people and businesses that keep us and the lights on. And by the way, you're asking for ways to support us. Scorn Earth app is one way. Download and consume our content there. But also support our sponsors like Whamatech. If you're listening or watching on a broken-down phone, tablet, or laptop, maybe it's time to break down and get a new one. You don't have to break the bank. Whamatech is a trusted supplier of pre-owned cell phones, tablets, and laptops, and they have your back. Whether it's a buy, a trade-in, a sell, they will save you money on a pre-owned device. Uh, They'll even buy your old device for cash. That's whamatech.com, W-A-M-A-T-E-K.com. And also Federated Mutual Insurance Company, Federated is here helping business owners just as they have been for the last hundred years. And they recently launched MyShield, the online client destination for risk management resources. 
As a business owner, how helpful would it be for you to have employee training at your fingertips? Industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success. That's where my shield comes in, frontline protection. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com or download the app. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. If you thought these guys spent every waking hour of their lives doing manly things like watching sports while yelling at their TVs, shaving with straight razors, and revving their V8 truck engines, well, yeah, think again. It's time for Mackie and Shot to turn in their man cars. This is Rom-Com Rewind. Obviously, this is very manly not the time it's she doesn't respect how i'm spending my time you know now, now she expects me to miss a yankees game <laughs> let's go murph you're up all right mr reitman i got a bat let me just leave you with this thought you love the socks but have they ever loved you back who are you dr phil get out of here go go ahead go swing the bat <laughs> <laughs> all right gentlemen the 2005 classic fever pitch Starring Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Fallon looked like the peak of his SNL powers here. Yeah. Dude. I want to talk about Jimmy Fallon later. We will definitely talk about Jimmy <laughs> Fallon. I'm excited. So this is Rom-Com Rewind. This is, I think, the third ever installment of Rom-Com Rewind. We're on a little, little run here of we're going from action movie rewind to Rom-Com Rewind by popular request and demand. Here's the summary of Fever Pitch. When Ben Reitman, played by Jimmy Fallon, a young teacher begins dating a pretty businesswoman, Lindsay Meeks, played by Drew Barrymore. The two don't seem to have a lot of the same interests, but they fall in love regardless. Their romance goes well until baseball season begins, and Lindsay soon realizes that Ben is completely obsessed with the Red Sox. Though she tries to understand Ben's passionate team loyalty, eventually it threatens to end their otherwise happy relationship. This movie generated a 65% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes said this. While not a home run, Fever, mm-hmm. Fever Pitch has enough charm and on-screen chemistry between the two leads to make it a solid hit. Mm-hmm. Nice. Kind of a failure at the box office. $30 million spent, $50 million return. Ooh. I saw it in I, the theater, really? I saw it twice in theaters. Whoa! Twice. Whoa. Yeah, what's the, wait, Whoa. wait, wait. You told me you saw it in the theater once. No, I saw it twice. Different. I saw this movie twice in theaters. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yes. I saw this movie twice in theaters. That is amazing. Wh- why? Uh, this was like peak of my baseball interest. And I also, at the time, really liked Jimmy Fallon. Now could not be less true. I can't stand him. But- Dude, you could actually argue that this, we can get into this, but like this might have been the peak of baseball. Like baseball yeah, man. was still huge in 2005. Yeah. I, this was peak fandom. MVP Baseball 2004. I, it's one of my favorite video games of all time. Okay. I saw it with my buddy Luke the first time, and I think I saw it with my mom the second. I love it, Good dude. Good for you, saw it man. twice in theaters. I love it. So Declan's all in on this movie. This movie was directed by the Farrelly Brothers. Yeah, you might I, remember their I run. I forgot that they directed this one, and from, I love them. They are great. A very successful book, correct, about a soccer team? I the, believe. He, I'm sorry? I believe this is based on... The concept of this film is based on a very successful book that was about a soccer team oh, in Europe. I thought you were talking about the Farley brothers, and I was no, like, no, oh, no. I, the, I think they bought. Brothers. I think <laughs> <laughs> no, they weren't a book. I, I believe they bought the rights to the idea for the script from. Okay. Yeah, because I think Don read the book at the time, and it was pretty good. But it well, was about a guy that loved a soccer team. Well, by this point, the Farley brothers could do pretty much whatever they wanted because they had already in, oh, the, yeah. in the ten years leading up to this, Dumb and Dumber. 
Yep. There, uh, this is a combination of directing and producing. Dumb and Dumber, Kingpin, There's Something About Mary, Me, Myself, and Irene, Yep. and Shallow Hal, and Stuck on You. So some corny ones in there, but oh, I love Stuck on You. Me, Myself, and Irene, legit one of the most underrated comedies of the late 90s, early 2000s. I think, and I think Stuck on You is. I know that one. Some people are split on that. I think that's like one of the funniest flipping movies of all time. I don't know why. They also they made a big comeback with Green Book in 2018, yeah. too, the Fairley Brothers. Nick Hornsby is the author of the 1992 book Fever Pitch, which got is about it. soccer. Okay. So that's where they got the idea. Cool. So let's start with Judd Zolgat. What was your key takeaway from Fever Pitch? I actually am shocked that it didn't do well at the box office overall because my key takeaway is this. It's a love story that worked pretty damn hard to get until the the end, which we'll discuss. But uh, it's a love story that worked hard to get the baseball part right. And I thought works did something that is difficult for rom-coms to do, which is I thought it would be appealing to both guys and gals. And so I assume that this would have been in some ways a perfect date film because like it works both ways. It, it's a fun film. It's not great, but it's, it certainly doesn't suck. It did hook guys like it, you, for sure. You know, Cause it's kind of a base. Yeah. It's about like your baseball but I mean, bro went to see it and she liked it too. Yeah. Cause it, it certainly had an, enough rom-com, uh, background as well to hook people. So I am surprised. But my main takeaway is it's not great. It's really good. And, and I did, thankfully, I did think that they worked very hard until the last part to do the baseball right. Like we didn't get the Nixon Kings shot in one day at the Garden and call it the NBA Finals. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, th- these guys actually had footage celebrate. I remember watching the celebration after too. they beat the Cardinals. And in Fallon sweep. and Drew Barrymore. I was like, why are Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore um, out there? And, it's and, weird. Are and, they making out? I believe the story I believe the story was th- that this film had been shot with the premise that the Red Sox didn't win the World Series. That's correct. And they had to go back at the end and, like, refilm. And by the way, this film could easily have been about the Minnesota Vikings. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it could. Like, this could be about the Vikings. Can continue on that path. Yeah. Okay. So Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. Yeah. But, I mean, the they, Vikings. They, they meet in the Twin Cities somewhere, and she realizes, oh, my God, he's, like, going to training camp with and horns and face Exactly. Paint. Yeah, you'd have to face He's paint. part of the Viking World Order. Yes. He leads the Viking World Order. And His the friends are in the skull chant. Like, yes. they're just in the skull line. The skull line with yeah. the, the snare drums. Yeah. And yeah. and <laughs> the Vikings like like the socks are good. So yeah. it's not like this. Well, they suck. They're good. And what do they do? Break, Break hot. your hot. Yeah. And then so she would she would jump down, you know, one of the railings or something at U.S. Bank uh, Stadium well, yeah. in the well, NFC Championship game. Or she wouldn't jump off the railing and that'd be fine, too. But yeah. we'll I digress. Declan, uh, before I get to my main lead, Uncle Carl in the first Two minutes. This movie is Judd Zolgad. Oh, he's Uncle Carl he's is a been in a Judd ton Zolgad of stuff. Vibes. I love him. Yeah. Just like, do I have to change him? For God's rescue sakes, me. Carl, he's seven. Yeah. You, know, you don't got to change him. <laughs> he was in Rescue Me. Yeah. He's great. Just like there was a lot. I know. Like the first, I haven't seen. So I've seen it twice in theaters, but I have probably haven't seen this in like probably ten years. Like yeah, I don't think too. I've seen it since like college or any time since then. So I saw it in '05. That was it. It's been a long time. But my main takeaway, and you could call this maybe selfish here, but I relate. To Ben, very much in this movie, I feel like this was almost kind of like watching my life in a rom com. So you're movie. you're trying to live your life 
And, and if a gal fits into it, she fits into it. If not, then yeah, quit telling me how to live my life. Quit telling me how to live my life. But you're on like twins towels and stuff, right? Not towels, but I have an obs- unhealthy <laughs> obsession with the baseball team that, you that causes a, me. Have you ever held a draft for tickets? No, I have not. The season ticket draft was pretty aggressive. That is pretty absurd. I sort of liked it. Though, I need to see know? some Yankee dancing. Right. Yankee dancing. Uh, <laughs> I do sympathize being somewhat like he's got like this kind of low income job, but it gives him the summers off. So he's able to still watch sure. all his baseball games. He's also pursuing a woman way out of his league who's like high up in corporate. Respect that game 100%. <laughs> and uh, I just, I really, I don't know, maybe because I, because I saw this as a kid, I didn't, I didn't obviously put those two and two together, but they're both in their late 20s. They're trying to figure out their lives. They have their warts, warts despite like being mostly good people. I identified with Ben. It felt like I was watching my life play out in a rom-com sports movie. Amazing. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can see this for sure. I can see this for sure. So my main takeaway is that I forgot how distractingly bad Jimmy Fallon is as an actor. Oh, yeah. Like, he's good in his little SNL role. And you know what? I don't even mind. I don't mind him in late nights. I haven't been able to watch him much the last couple years because I think I find it more entertaining. You know, I, I like to watch... It almost seemed like he he ignored what was happening around the country the last couple of years too much for me, and so oh, I think he did. Yes, I haven't watched and his ratings fell because of that. But he's, he's but he's pretty good for the most part in in that realm. Two hours of Jimmy Fallon on screen, yes. just him being Jimmy Jim, Jim, Jim Fallon dropping a little. Oh, hey, buddy, oh, we here. love you, buddy. Yeah, yeah buddy. No, no, I'm in the. Uh, oh, look you. at me, I'm in the. I'm in the. What was it called? The barrel. You uh, throw me over the edge uh, of my barrel. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I don't know. There's at, just a certain annoyance factor. At the time, it didn't bug me because I hadn't seen him that much back in 2005 but watching it now i agree completely with you yeah like it's just it's too much it's a lot and he's and always she, sort of fidgety he's too. so fidgety it's like okay she, yeah so she, she's a lot too you're she right. plays the same damsel mm-hmm. in every single movie yeah so she's good at it but you're right yep. yes literally plays the but same she can, damsel. but i feel like she can act and he really just can't act well, I think it looks like she can act more than she can because yeah. she's acting next to Jimmy but Fallon. But yeah. Right, yeah. but I mean, he's, he cannot act. <laughs> like, he was literally told, be the SNL guy, but you like baseball now. Yep. Okay. All right, Joe, what was your favorite part of this movie? Um, okay, the, the, this is going to sound trite, and, and it's going to sound sort of schmaltzy, but my favorite part was this. When Ben explains his love of baseball to her, it is dead on. He said, I get lost in the game, the people, the ballpark, the smells. Yeah. If you've ever been to an outdoor ballpark and you love baseball, yeah. whoever wrote that knew exactly what they, that was not some stooge just trying to be like, I'm going to write something. That was somebody who loved baseball. I loved that explanation and it's dead on. And if you don't love baseball, you can't identify with that at all. This movie romanticizes about baseball in a way that I don't think you could today. Like I don't I don't think the way the way that this movie deifies and romanticizes about the vibe of baseball and the tradition and the history of baseball and the and the importance of baseball, I don't think it exists today in that way for people. I feel like in Boston you still could, but yeah, to a national audience, I'm not sure it works. It's hard. And in addition, yeah. you had in 2005, you had the Red Sox 86-year streak, or I guess 04, because this movie came out in 05, but 04 was when they broke the, the curse. You had an 86-year Red Sox curse, and you had a 100-year Cubs curse that was about to hit the, the century mark. 
So you had these two crazy long futility streaks for two of the most prominent franchises and big market franchises in the game. Yeah, which were great. And and those things were sort of woven into the thread of multiple generations of baseball fans, these underdog franchises. And when those two things got taken away, it was it was great. Like at some point they had to be, but once you played those cards, if you're baseball, it's like, all right, well. Yeah, what's next? Okay. Well, Cleveland well, the hasn't won a World Series since 48. <laughs> well, nobody gives a damn. Right. Oh, the Twins, it's been about I mean, 30 years. The, the, the Cubs would be the other one. You could do a spinoff of this. Oh, yeah. It would be, be the Cubs 10 years later. So that'd yeah, probably be it. But yeah, you're right. That I don't think you can do this right now in 2021 with the current state of baseball. Yeah. No. What, what was your favorite part, Dex? Uh, my favorite part is that they waste no time getting right into the relationship. Like, usually, no, there's always, like, some some subtle, takes, like, 30 to 40 minutes before they meet, and there's backstories of their past. So, literally, the movie opens. Within 30 seconds, they meet each other, which is kind of cool. And then he asks her out. She turns him down. She consults with friends. He's all torn up because, like, oh, what the hell? I'm, I'm a school teacher. I'm Judy Fallon. I don't know what to do. Uh, she doesn't like me? Oh, I guess. Uh, well, screw her. I'm just like the Red Sox. Uh, you know? That's, that's Jimmy Fallon. That's really good. That's, that's Jimmy Fallon. That's really good. So... I love that I love they waste no time. Her friends convince her to go out with them. We have that clip, too, or, or uh, explaining what's wrong with them. Uh, yeah, let's play that real quick. Go for it. You're right. I'm an idiot. I'm about to turn 2010, and the dating market is, shall we say, bearish. And instead of becoming more open and available, I'm becoming less open. Maybe you should date a different kind of guy. Why? What do you mean? Well, all the guys you date are sharp and competitive and successful. It's like you're dating yourself. Ding, ding, ding. Look, what's wrong with the school teacher? Wrong with the radio producer. He's a school teacher, which means he has a small income. Bingo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I love how quickly they just start going out, and then it's this little progression of the seasons. And I I like that they just waste no... Usually these rom-coms take a little while before they, like, you get into it. And this one, they waste no time. Within 10 minutes, they're basically on their first date. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Get right to the point. I think my favorite part was actually... Judd already mentioned it, so we won't spend a whole lot of time on it. But I love that they wove... They wove sports in... Or they weaved sports into this movie in a a smart, believable way. Like, this movie had a chance to be super corny from a sports perspective because of just how much... In general, if you're going to make a rom-com and involve a lot of sports, I would say don't. Don't. Because you're probably going to screw it up. Because it's not the Knicks and Kings in the finals. Right. But they took mostly reality-based storylines. Yep. I, lo- I really love the scene where the it, it, it hit close to home, I think, for a lot of fans when they're down 0-3 in the American League Championship Series, and they're all four sitting at the bar depressed and drinking. And Trot Nixon, Jason Veritek, and Johnny Damon are all getting dinner at a table just like, you know, right 50 feet from the bar or whatever. And and the conversation of those guys don't really look like they're disappointed. How can they not like how can they not be depressed right now? Yeah. And then right. they and then they go through the discussion about Jimmy Fallon's kind of realizing, well, maybe that's the right way to think about it. Maybe we sh- maybe you can love your team but not have it envelop your entire life and into where you're, you know, you're you can't even like operate the next day. And I I love that part cuz it, it is so true. It's like it's the I think sports fans battle, like Vikings fans, for instance, they've never paid it off for you, right? 60 years of Vikings football. They've never once Do the Vikings paid it love off you for back? You. Look, I, ask that I question. don't know if the Vikings love you back, but if you can put back. a little bit of emotional distance, just a little bit, yep. so where you're not like ruined on a Monday, There's I think well that's the healthiest way to be a sports fan. Right. So, all right, your least favorite part, Judd. 
All right, so I'm I'm not going to divulge what truly is that because it's going to be in the next category, but I'm going to give you my least favorite part just as far as, as I know that they wanted to write this scene to get to where they felt that they had to go. I think they know you're going. But come on. So Ben misses one Red Sox game. (laughs) One Red Sox game, and I don't know how long. It's a Yankees game, which he never misses, right? And it turns out to be the greatest game in Fenway Park history and they score eight, and the Sox score. Sox score eight runs in the bottom of the ninth to come back for an eight-seven win, and that happens to be the game. And he is in bed with her, and then she goes out to cook something, to, and uh, he turns on the TV, and there's live reports from Fenway Park, and his buddies are calling him. You missed the greatest game in history, and that was the first thing that I thought was just like a true stretch. Like mm-hmm. I like I thought it was a bit over the top that they went to, it's the greatest game ever for the Red Sox, and you missed it. I thought it was a stretch that his relationship basically ended yes. because of that game. Like, yes. yeah, well, He just too. has this amazing night with yeah. his with his potential future wife, and he flips on the game or the highlights. And, the and like, yeah, you'd be a little bit like, oh, my God, but, I can't believe I missed that game. But would, it, but would, you, would, would you go from that feeling to, and I'm going to let it ruin my relationship well, right we're now. We're done. We're over. But we're what gone. I don't get about that then is is if that was going to be the case, and it's a Yankees game, it would have to be more than a costume party. Like, I'm telling her, I, I ain't going to your costume. I don't care how much you like me. I'm not going to your uh, costume party for a Yankees. I I mean, was, this was after the Paris thing, though, right? And he, I think he had already. Yes. Said, he, yeah, he, had, yeah. he had a strike against him. Yeah, he had so a strike. He's yeah. down on the count. Yeah, but yeah, yeah but but I mean, come on. She knows. He told her. I I just felt the whole that scene was the first scene that I thought was just because to me what what I liked about this film is it was cute, but it was sort of realistic in a lot of things. And then it's just like this whole thing. And then Phil, you're right. It's just going to be done now because of that. Actually, I want to ask I'm a question, a question within the question here off what I'm Judge just brought up. In general, in this movie, the themes are Ben is a huge Red Sox fan and he and he wants to continue doing his Red Sox obsession thing and also wants to have his cake and like he wants to he wants to be married at some point. And he's taking her to games constantly yeah, to but, try and keep but, her happy. But he wants to fit her into like, oh, you're going to come to Red Sox yeah. games with me, right? Yeah. And she's like, no, we should go to Paris and like. You need to you need to have a better closet. You need to grow up, and you need to be more of an adult. And I want you to take the passion you have for the Red Sox and channel it into more adult things. Yep. Who was more right, oh. Ben or Lindsay? Lindsay. I think it's Lindsay. It's too. Lindsay. Um, look, it's it's Lindsay. It's, it's Lindsay. You Judd, have, you have to be an adult. Judd. The life that he led, and he was what near thirty. Yeah. Um, I feel like he had chosen his path. I think they were both wrong and they tried to make it look right because that's his life, man. I mean, his house was nothing but Red Sox stuff. Like she can't come in there and just basically be like, it's all changing now if that's his life and he has no right. But here, so so where I think it in real life, where I think it falls apart completely is the Paris thing Mm. because he's like, well, the Mariners are in town, which a guy might say, but at that point in time, do you really think it's going to continue? And by the way, the Mariners. I will say this: the Mariners. I might skip the Mariners game, but I ain't 
on a dime going to leave on a Friday for Paris and come back on Monday or Sunday? Was, I think they were going to leave Thursday okay. and then come back. So, yeah, that, no. that's a little I, bit of a short term. Although they are, they are in Boston, it's like a four, it's like okay. a five hour flight. But what right? I'm saying is, I'm out right there. By the way, the Mariners in 2004 were awful, 63 and 99. Okay, their best hitter was Brett Boone at the time. Nice. Remember Brett Boone? Oh, yeah. Remember Brent's him. legend. Yeah, I was going to say, we picked him up. I mean, picked he, him up I guess, put him at second base. I guess Ichiro was their best hitter then. And okay. Edgar Martinez is on the team. But they, they were like a 100-loss team. But are you going to Paris on a Thursday to come back on a Sunday? That's not That's not. That's I, I, I not. Want, my I'd life. want the extra day. I'd want yeah, the extra day. I need the extra day. I'm just not going to Paris. Yeah. See you later. Ever? You don't want to go to Paris ever? Bye, Linz. Uh, I'd have to go for like two weeks. Well, yeah, I think, but, uh, that's, I, but that's I ain't what, gonna. But I mean, she was gonna like. I'm gonna take you on a business trip. <laughs> and by the way, she knew that the whole socks thing. Like she knew exact. And she's just gonna take him to Paris. Oh, it's gonna be a surprise. And then she was gonna tell him that she's pregnant. Like this is where I start to have some problems. And then he was excited that she'd be pregnant, but they were dating. Maybe the last guy is excited <laughs> that his girlfriend. Like it's fine if you're gonna get married, but like we just started. Dating and I might love you. I'm not quite sure. And you're going to drop the I'm, I, I might be pregnant bomb. And I'm like, I'm going to go buy some baby clothes. Red Sox baby clothes. Perfect segue because that's my least favorite part of this no. movie. The whole the whole I'm late pregnancy thing. They like try to hint at it. And then she like calls him from Paris and he has like the Red Sox onesies in his dresser. <laughs> it was just completely unnecessary. Yeah. Like it, it, it wasn't necessary at all. And I, it was, it was uncomfortable. Like I was yeah. uncomfortable watching that like three minutes. Cause it was from, your life and you would hate that. I and you should. I don't believe had a pregnancy scare. No, but, but I'm saying, but I'm saying if you identified with him, yeah, then that whole scene would, would scare you. Yeah. And you would certainly not be like, but I bought a twins onesie. Yeah, no, I would not. I'd be freaking out. And my siblings would be so upset with me that they'd be angry that I would be in that situation. Well, that's another good segue into my least favorite part of this movie, because I feel like our friend Ben did a lot of unrealistic over the top things, including on their first date when he shows up at her door and she's got food poisoning and she's like deathly ill and Uh looks pale as a ghost. And instead of him saying, oh, like we barely know each other. Why don't you rest? And then. I'll just call you tomorrow and see how you're doing. He stays overnight, stays overnight at her place. Okay. And in the process, he takes care of her, which is very nice. He cleans her whole place, brushes her dog's teeth with her toothbrush, by the way, for sure. Yeah. With an electric toothbrush. Yeah. And then he's just like, they're still in the morning. How many, like, again, they don't know each other right. at all That's at this not, point. Yes. They don't know each other. Yes. And she would be if, like, if you you're a woman, wouldn't you think this is weird? Also, yeah. she allowed him to take her clothes off and like dress her up, like pull off the shirt yeah. and put a nightgown on. That, that's they the don't most know each realistic other. part. Yeah. I think the fact that you're going yeah. to stay in her apartment and like start cleaning it up. I, I think it's, it's, it's is cr- that something a person would want from someone they don't know? It's creepy. I personally would not have wanted that if I just met someone. I'd say, listen, I'm going to let me grind this out myself. Get out. We'll, we'll text tomorrow. <laughs> I would have just. But but wouldn't you call? Grind like this out. I wouldn't let you show up at my door. If I'm puking my guts out with food poisoning, I'm texting you and or calling you, I guess, in 2005 and saying, hey, that's a good point. How did he shows up at the door and she's like, he doesn't have a cell phone. That's true. He doesn't, he doesn't have, have a cell phone. Yeah, but he's got a home phone. And she probably, he probably doesn't have that even. I don't know. Maybe. I I think no, he no. Did, he, he had the baseball phone. That's right. It's got a baseball mitt phone. But I think what he did was admirable. 
I think I would have done some of those things. I would not have stayed overnight. Dude, the staying overnight is that, weird. That part's the weirdest but, part. But I would you have cleaned up her bathroom? I probably would have. Like, she's blowing chunks. I'm not cleaning I that up. I probably would have. If I really liked the woman. If first I date. really liked her. First date. I think I would. If I really liked her and I, and I felt that, yeah, I would. If it was the right person, yes. You know, you, you stick with those instincts. I will. And I will report back yeah. after the first, <laughs> when I get ghosted again on the first date, I will report back that, that I did not clean up puke at her place. I don't think, if, if I started to date a girl and she came to my place and I'm blowing chunks, I don't think I want her to be cleaning up my bathroom. Like I'll yeah. No one needs to I'll see towel, what's happening in my bathroom. I'll towel, I'll towel, I'll towel it down myself later. Also, food poisoning. There's what? definitely there's definitely things firing out of both ends. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's no one way. Yeah. She didn't really have a of a, a a true case of good old fashioned food poisoning, yeah. right? Because you're right. Oh, man. Yeah. It's both ends. Blew. Yeah. All right. I mean, so it's a good weight loss product. Real quick, because I feel like we have a ton of categories for these rom coms. So we, we have cheesiest part and least oh, believable. Yeah. Do you guys want to get rid of one of those or keep them both? I think we can combine them. For this one, I can combine both together okay. easily. I have, I have a least believable. I don't have a cheesy. Let's just, let's just get yeah, rid yeah. of cheesiest part. It's cheesy, part. though, too. Okay. Oh, sure, that works. So the least believable part least, is cheesy. Least believable part, Judd. Okay. The least believable part is the end of this film. <laughs> All right? So she, so Lindsay, spoiler alert, is being promoted at her job and they come to the bar to get her because she's out with friends or something. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you got to come back. You're getting the promotion. So first of all, I'm supposed to believe that she doesn't know that the promotion is going to be announced and she just happens to be, have left the office. And then they're like, where's Lindsay? There's a promotion for her. (laughs) Okay. Then it gets worse. Then Ben is selling his season tickets, but he's taken the guy to the Red Sox game, which is a playoff game. To sell him the tickets. To, so they're going to sign all of the papers there. Like, you would, if you were going to do this transaction, you would do it in an office. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't do it at the game. Oh, okay. So this is all, like, sketchy. But I, yeah. I'll he, buy it. He, he also had, like, a total of probably 10 minutes where his pen was hovering over the signature part. Yes. You know, I'll buy it. But then she finds out that Ben, my Ben, my Ben, who, by the way, you broke up with. He's not your Ben. My Ben is going to sell. You were on a date with another guy when he showed up at your place. Is selling his his tickets. Homewrecker. And and so she takes. (laughs) So she hightails it to Fenway. And for a playoff game in the eighth inning, pays 600 bucks to get in. But she can only go in through center field. And this is where I get confused. It's not believable and it's not necessary. So they, they have to make it that she's going to drop. And by the way, have you guys been there? Fenway yeah. Park? This is a massive drop. She's going. Oh, my God. You die, right? Well, yeah. You, you wouldn't get up. You'd break <laughs> your leg. Didn't she have high heels on? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You'd snap your ankles. And she hits the warning track. Yourself. She hits the. And they show her. And she's like, her back is all arched. And then she just like gets up and starts to run. And Very she, slowly. And, yeah. And she makes the it running. through security. And then security allows her to talk to Ben outside the Red Sox dugout during a playoff. Just game. give me one second. I, yeah. But I mean. <laughs> it's why, but But here's my question. Why? Like, you could have done a lot of these things. Like, she could have stopped him, okay, without all of what I just gave you. Like, and it still would have been sweet. Why did she have to hoist herself off the center field wall at Fenway Park? Because he didn't have a cell phone. But why? He's selling his Red Sox tickets for me. What have I ever given up for anybody that meant that much? Nothing. I'm sorry. I know this seems crazy, but I got to go. You realize you're selling your seats for exactly the same price they sold Babe Ruth for. You said it yourself. Relationships come and go, but the Red Sox are forever. I want my sponges back. <laughs> Would you be selling these tickets if we were winning? I bet you wouldn't. 
We're never winning. That's the point. We're down three games to nothing. It's 4-3. They got Rivera warming up in the bullpen. Yeah. Look, if I keep these seats, all I think about every time I'm here is, is what I gave up for them. By the way, Babe Ruth sold for $125,000 on January 5th, 1920, which was a lot of money back in 1920. That's a lot of dough. So he's used to sell those tickets for $125,000. Yep. Yeah, but why would you? Oh, and anyway. So is that like a is that like a one-time fee, and then the other guy has to pay the actual ticket payments every yes, year? Yes, I think, right? Yes, he, he was going to sell the rights for the seats to the dude, and, and then because the guy says, I'll take you to some games. Sure. So he was going to sell the rights to the seats. And then the guy was going to buy the tickets from the Red Sox from then on out. And that's, that, that's exactly Miley's favorite part, uh, is the schmucks that are dating her friends. Least believable? No way those guys like baseball. Oh, the husbands? Zero, zero They're the chance. husbands, yeah. The guy with that beard and, oh, here's my whiskey sample. Why don't you give us a good Like, no way that guy enjoys. Who even knows <laughs> Trot Nixon? Zero <laughs> chance that guy knows Trot Nixon or, or anyone on the Red Sox that, that season. I can't stand... Those dudes, because I also, and I know people do this because you could come from work. I have a vendetta against people in suits and high-end attire at a baseball game. It drives me insane. I mean, it was like mandatory a hundred years ago. Everybody, all the guys right. wore their, yeah. their little top hats and their I, suits. If I'm standing in line, hang $12 for a Budweiser or a Corona Hard Seltzer, I don't want to stand next to suit Tom behind me also trying to get a cocktail at a baseball game, dude. Go somewhere else. I feel like People, and especially especially men, must have just been sweating all the time for centuries leading up to like games? the last. 50 and women years. would dress up too. Yeah, they're all like, like these the thick dresses and stuff. Yeah. All right, so that was your least believable part. Yes. All right, my so my least believable part I think is actually more of a least favorite blend here. Mm-hmm. It's when she keeps answering her phone while they're on a date, and she's even talking about like. A lot of guys just hate whenever the guys I've dated just hate when I answer my phone when I'm on a date. Ring, ring, ring. Hold on a second. Let me answer it again. Like, dude, like if you if if I'm on a first date with you or a second date with you and it's our time to get to know each other, if you answer your phone and it's not an emergency, it's over. Like you're that self-centered that you can't engage in this conversation. I can see like glancing at a text or something, but this is our time to have a connection. So that drove me nuts. Um. All right. What what other things? I have a couple. Of, I have a, another question for you guys. I actually. have two things that really bug me, or or were at least weird. All right. The first one is when she goes to that spree of games and he takes her. One is he had distributed his tickets in a lottery system to take his friends, and now she's just going constantly. So, like, did did we just forget <laughs> our friends? Well, he he said he said he saved some good games for her. Yeah, but she's there all the time in the film for I a while, and then she gets hit by a foul ball. Oh, if God. you got drilled that close by a foul yeah, ball, you'd be dead, and you'd be bleeding. You would be dead, and you'd be bleeding like a stuck pig, right? Like yeah, you'd be bleeding sure. up a, a storm. Instead, she gets hit, knocked out cold. They supposedly rush her to the hospital. And then that night, she's at home with a bag of peas on her head, and he's trying to have sex with her. Yeah, he, Like, this goes, is not how concussions dude, would work. She goes, Ben, I'm concussed. And he goes, I like it that way. But, like, she's like, she's, like, lucid. She's, like, she just got hit in the head by a foul ball from how far away. Like, you would be bleeding. You would need stitches. You would probably be kept in the hospital. Like, your eye might be knocked out. Like, people have died because of this. This is a big deal. Uh, Let's talk about waiting. It doesn't make me want to wait anymore. (laughs) God. 
so true. I'll never forget the worst I've ever seen someone get smoked like up close. And it wasn't even like close to the field. It was in the Legends Club of all places. So I was covering a Twins game like eight years ago in the press box. And there was a woman sitting in the Legends Club sort of down the first baseline. Like I would say, I don't know, mostly behind the plate, but like shaded toward the first baseline. And she's on her phone. And she's got a Twins hat, and she's got white jeans on. And someone hit one of those, like, high oh, backspin, no. like, you know, sometimes you can foul the ball back, and, and it's sti- got some hum on it. And the oh, stitches yeah. are coming. Yep. And so someone hit a foul ball, like, off the barrel, straight back. Oh. And she's looking down, and the ball hit her, like, either hit her on the brim or hit her, like, under the brim on the nose or something. You're bleeding. She didn't even see it coming. Everybody else was like, oh, here's the ball. And she's just on her phone, and bam, right in her face. White jeans, blood pouring everywhere, ah. just disgusting. Like they had yeah. to. She was like half unconscious, and but that's what I'm oh. saying. But so you wouldn't just take the ball off the noggin and go home and get it on. Yeah, well, Ben. Yeah, Ben likes to do that. Apparently, with concussion. But she's like, you know, Ben, I'm concussed, but I'm I'm fine. <laughs> what was the other thing you had? Oh, what was it? Yeah, keep going. Here's my I next. Forget. Here's my next question for yeah. you. I'll. I'll Figure it out. So Ben is obsessed with the Red Sox. What's the most obsessed you guys have ever been with either a team or something else? Like, have you guys ever been as into something as Ben was into the Red Sox, even for like a year in your life? North Stars probably when I was a kid, though, like I was 14 or 13 mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, I, I loved them. But and I love sports still. But I don't think I could ever be that into a team like that. Like that is like a kid. No. And if you have like Red Sox sheets and a baseball phone, which is sort of cool, um, it's, a little, it's a little weird. But I, but I don't, I don't think I have the ability. I was pretty in on the 09 Vikes. I mean, I was seventeen then. So yeah, that's was, perfect that, age. That's a perfect age to be like impressionable. I love the 06 Twins. I love the twenty ten Twins. But I don't know if it was ever to the point of like what Ben was doing. I was, I was probably this obsessed with Attitude Era WWE. Like, I even, as, like, a 12-year-old, so this would have been, like, yeah, like, right when the, like, 11 years old, 12 years old, like, 97 when the Attitude Era was starting, I had, like, wrestling figurines that I would still, and I would, like, draw blood on them and stuff and hold, like, cage matches and stuff. Oh, yeah. And all of my friends were into it, and we would make our parents buy tickets to the house shows and the pay-per-views that would come through town. Absolutely. And we'd make signs. At, at that we age, it's, dress per- up. Oh, it's perfect, though. Yeah, it was perfect. But, I mean, he's almost 30 years old, and he's yeah. still... He's got the Red Sox sheets. By the way, shout out uh, at the very beginning of the movie, little sports radio love, Dennis and Callahan on WEEI was playing oh, on the man. radio Yes, in their car. It'd be kind of fun at some point if yes. the Mackie and Judd show would be playing in the car of a movie. That'd be nice when the Twins win a playoff game. We get a Declan's rom-com, and we can just be great. go from there. Yeah, production notes on this one. The original plot had assumed the Red Sox would lose in the playoffs. However, the Sox stunned the baseball world when they won four straight games <laughs> to win the 4 ALCS against the Yankees. Um, the ending had to be rewritten. On the day of Game 4, with the Red Sox on the verge of a sweep, the Fairleys decided to bring Barrymore, Fallon, and a film crew to St. Louis hours before the first pitch. Barrymore and Fallon attended, attended the game at Bush Stadium in character. When the Red Sox made the final out, to score a 3 nothing win over the Cardinals that broke the curse. Fox cameras on the live broadcast caught Barrymore and Fallon running onto the field and kissing to celebrate. The film, with its updated ending, was also screened at Fenway Park the following August as a screen was set up in center field. 
All right, definitive relationship rankings. All right. So far, we've done two other rom-coms. We've done Hitch. So Hitch and Sarah came in at an 8.8 on a 1 through 10 scale. Chemistry, on-screen chemistry is what we're going for here. Ben Barry and Andy Anderson from How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days scored an 8.3. So a couple good, good chemistry pairings there. We're looking for a score, 1 through 10, chemistry on screen between Ben and Lindsay. Hmm. <sighs> or I should say chemistry between the characters. Like Right, which is actually pretty good in this one. Um, they're both weird. They're both, yeah. I'm gonna give him. Um, I'm gonna give him a seven. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna go with a six. Like I, they're there. Like they're they're good. They're not bad. But I can't stand. Like, look, I used to really like Jimmy Fallon as an 11 year old. I've grown up. I couldn't stand him as squirrely little nature. I, I, I look. And Drew Barrymore plays that same role the entire or entire movie history. So it's a six for me. Yeah, it's a seven for me, dog. That's fair. It's a seven. Like. Part of the problem is Jimmy Fallon is so weird and uncomfortable. There's just it's not believable that a woman would fall obsessively in love with him. The Red Sox part is yes, the Red Sox part is baseball part is totally a a buy-in. But yeah, and like at some point in time, wouldn't she just be like, uh, you know what, dude, you just don't do it for me? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Plus, who was the dude that was holding her dog when he answered the door? Like that super good-looking guy from work. Yeah, he's the guy from work. Oh, he he's the guy who was. Who she's sleeping at her desk? Yeah, because that's right. She'd been out with Ben. Yeah, that guy. And he was doing something with her boss, and then yeah, he that was, guy would have that guy would have had a probably would have had a little six month run with her at some point there. Yeah, yeah Jimmy Fallon. Summer. Ben Ben would have been a threat to that one. So seven to seven to six. That, that brings the score to a six point seven, ranking it third or last so far. And now we get to the overall rating for the movie one through ten. Criteria is just straight up entertainment value for you guys. Hitch scored a nine, and How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days scored an eight point eight. So we'll start with Judd. I'm torn here because it's a cute film. <laughs> I like it. I, I really like the baseball. Um, so there was a lot to like, but there's something about it that just seemed I can't get too excited. I'm going to give it a six. Mm. I, I gave it a seven. It's an enjoyable film. Like it, it, it's it's a good movie. Yeah, but. Judd brings a good point that there's nothing about that like screams over the top and and puts it on the same level as Hitch and or even How to Lose a Guy, so it's it's a seven. It's a seven out of ten. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. Like it's fine. I definitely don't feel like I need an hour and forty minutes of my life back. It's great. It's a seven or it's a. I'm sorry, it's a six for me. I gave it a six. Okay. And part of my reason for giving it a six is because I just can't stand the celebration of Boston sports throughout this movie. Oh wow. I understand. Yeah, I mean, it makes like, sense. Like, come now. on, you know, sixteen years later, it's like gag me for God's sakes the, with the, the celebration those, of Boston sports. The Super Bowl ads pregame of all those Boston people, you know, like so salty over time. You're salty. You're you're upset that Tom Brady's in Tampa Bay. You guys have won everything in yeah. the last ten years. Go. I don't, I can't say what I want to say, but yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. No. Can't stand. Who should have played Ben? So, oh, so like, who if, else? if you could go back and recast that now, because I do Mc, think McConaughey. <laughs> I'm all red, right, all right, all right, all right. I'm Red, Red Sox. Sox. Go Red Sox. Red Sox through and through. She yeah, would, right. uh, she would not have had a problem with McConaughey. Um, Mark Wahlberg. I'm trying to think of Boston guys. So I, I just did like highest grossing stars of 2005. Number one was Keanu Reeves. Oh my God! Is it Keanu playing? I love the Red Sox. <laughs> Red Sox um, are great. Will, oh, Matt. Go ahead, go ahead. Will Ferrell, Orlando Bloom. <laughs> uh, what else we got? Uh, ben Stiller, Johnny Depp, Vince Vaughn. I, Vince Vaughn. Probably could have done this, I think. 
I would have been fine with Vince Vaughn and Drew Barrymore. I would, I would enjoy that. Adam Sandler, Jim Carrey, Will Smith, and then Brad Pitt round out the top ten. Will Ferrell or Sandler to me. Damon, right? Is I that... was going to say Matt Damon. If you're thinking like people associated with Boston, Boston. Right? Yeah, no, Matt yeah. Damon, Mark yeah. Wahlberg. Be kind of funny. Matt Damon. All right, so with that, with us uh, giving those scores, it's a 6.3 composite score, making it the third out of three movies we reviewed. Hitch, a 9. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 8.8. And Fever Pitch, a 6.3. Well, since we, we brought this up on the show earlier in the week, since the next time we do a rom-com rewind, I will be living in Seattle, Washington. This is probably the best time oh. to do Sleepless in Seattle. Perfect, yeah. Little Tom Absolutely. Hanks, Meg Ryan. Let's do it. I've never seen it. Whoa. Never seen it. Here's the cool thing, all right? I would say 90% not intentional. The place that we're going to be living in is a half mile from the boathouse, oh. Sleepless in Seattle. Really? <laughs> 90% unintentional, nice. 10%. No, it's nice. pretty close. Nice. Maybe I can meet Greg Ryan and Tom Hanks. It'd be great. So Sleepless in Seattle next week. And, uh, yeah, it's a wrap on Rom-Com Rewind here. There's something you don't know about me. The thing is, uh, I am a Red Sox fan. Yeah? No, I'm, I'm like a big, big Red Sox fan. I know. I mean, I've been to your apartment seen the... Red Sox dish towels and glasses and the Yankee toilet paper. It's like you live in a gift shop. It's worse. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.